Hello, and welcome to the Loft Podcast. We are so excited about today's message, the book of Acts. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. When we start jumping into the book of Acts, it's so profound. You know, I want to read a little bit of it to us this morning, but before I do, I just want to make a few comments that I believe are just powerfully important to the body of Christ. You know, I I believe in salvation. I believe that God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. You believe that too. And for a long time and still in a lot of churches, that's the end of the road. You know, we we believe in God, we accept salvation, and then then what? You know, and then we're then we have to walk out our our salvation in our Christian life as closely as we can to the word of God. But what happens is life gets hard and things are difficult. And I don't mean just I don't mean coronavirus or I don't I don't mean losing jobs or businesses shutting down or going I don't mean any of that. All of that is astronomical. It's huge. It's above our pay grade. I'm talking about all those things we leave in the hands of God and we vote accordingly, okay? But but what I'm talking about is our day-to-day lives where we get our feelings hurt or we you know something will come up that's that's straining our very existence and we don't know what to do. We have financial pressures that are on us so hard we don't even know how we're going to make it. We don't even know how we're going to make it through. And and because that's the life that we live, salvation in and of itself will get you to heaven and it, it'll get you past St. Peter and past the pearly gates and into Heaven, which that's the goal. Home is heaven. We say that all the time. But here, like like salvation, if we could say it like this, salvation is a free gift of God to whosoever would believe. And not just believe, but confess. You know, you can believe in God and never confess him as your Lord or Savior. But the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that we will be saved. So salvation, we get that. It's the free gift of God to whosoever will. But the gift of God to the believer is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, we need him. We need that. We need his influence. We need his indwelling. We need his presence. Because why? Life is hard. And I can stand up here and teach you all about authority, and I have, and I will continue to. But until you get the Holy Spirit up on the inside, it'll feel flat, and it'll feel like a chore, and it'll feel like work. But once you've encountered the Holy Spirit of God, which I believe is a separate event than salvation, and the best way I can find it in Scripture, I'm just going to talk to you for a sec because, man, I... I heard a Reform theology pastor speak. We're a Holy Ghost church. We believe in, in the gifts of the Spirit. We, we are Pentecostal in our roots. We believe in words of encouragement. We call it prophecy. We believe in the divine ability of God to discern spirits. We believe that Jesus still heals today. We, we believe, you know, not only that he rose from the dead. We, we're not cessationalists. We don't believe that all those gifts stopped when Jesus came. We believe that he is still doing these things. You know why? Because we've seen it with our own eyes and we've believed it in our own hearts. Jesus said, blessed is the one who hasn't seen but believes it still. And we believe it. And so I was listening to this reform pastor talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
and he was equating it to the day of Pentecost and how that was a historical day. And we're going to read it in just a second. But it's in Acts 2. We're going to try to cover Acts 1 and 2 today, okay? At least parts of them today as we take this walk through the summer through the book of Acts. So if, if, if the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped, then why are they still happening? And then if you look around your life and you think, well, I don't see that happening, well, then that's good news for you. You probably don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you're, you're invited to it. You're invited to the table to dine. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Are you kind? Do you have self-control? Do you move in authority? Do you have power? Power to cast out devils. Power to pray the prayer that heals the sick. Power to instruct life and godliness. Because if you, if you have those few things, not an arrogant, those things aren't arrogant. They're not. They're very humble because you know why? I don't know that I can do that. I know that he can do that. So I'm, when I'm tracking with him and he's doing that, it's profound. And when I witness it, you're not going to be able to ever tell me anything different because I've already seen it. I'm already ruined. I already believe. So the cessational reform speaker was talking about the day of Pentecost. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. And because something happens there, all the people there are waiting, waiting for Jesus. You know, the book of Acts leaves you or it starts with Jesus leaving the earth. He's ascending. He's already done all of his great work. He's already, he's already come to earth. He's already walked among. He's already done so many profound things. I started watching this, this uh, series called The Chosen. And I usually don't like, like, Bible-y stuff like that because I always feel like it's ambition week. I feel like, can we, can, we, can, you know, can we get somebody phenomenal to play a role? Can we, you know, can we have some special effects? Well, and this one is not even, it, there's not even anyone phenomenal playing the role of Jesus, but I really, it's good. I encourage you to watch it. It's profound. As we're watching him turn water to wine, it's exactly how I thought it would be. My sister told me to watch this series, and I was like, oh, it's a Bible thing. She's like, you're a pastor. Watch it. I'm like, okay. And I did, and it's good. And then she told me her favorite series, and I just watched the one with the leper. You know, oh, my God. You know, Jesus knew when he was leaving he already done all these great things. He already walked with his disciples. He already showed us just like a spirit of compassion. He already gave his life on the cross. He already yielded it for all of the sins of all mankind, not in a cliche way. If this sounds cliche to you, man, I just ask God to rake that hardness off the top of your heart so you can hear it like you never heard it before and you might live in a place that understands, man, I'm bought with a price and I'm actually saved. And I don't deserve it and I could never earn it. But he did it. So Jesus does all these profound things, you know, he goes to the cross and he's, you know, murdered in the middle of the night. And he rises from the dead. He does all this stuff and he appear, appears to many. He shows up on the shore making fish for his friends in a profound way, in a, in a profound and humble way. And they see him again and lots of people see him. And people give their lives stating that they saw him. People don't do that. If, they, if something didn't happen, if something profound didn't happen, no one's going to die for it. They're going to come clean. They're going to move on past it and go home and get some dinner. Snuggle up with their wives and love on their kids and go to sleep. They're not going to die unless something profound happened. And so all those things had already taken place. And then there's this gathering here, you know, in the book of Acts when it opens up, where Jesus is speaking to the crowd. And, he's, and even, in, even in the moment when Jesus is speaking to the crowd, they're still saying, are you now going to return the kingdom? You're going to get the kingdom now? back in order, 
you know, for, for us. And Jesus, Jesus pulls him back on track. I already told you about a kingdom way bigger than what's going on in your political realm. I'm talking about heaven. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about my father. I'm talking about this life and all that you, all that you witness and all that you see and all you keep your eyes on is little. It's a vapor. Start to think heavenward. And here I go. Peace out, guys. Listen, go ahead and spread this around to everybody you can. And, and you might want to go to Jerusalem and wait because you're going to need the Holy Spirit and I'm going to send him. Okay? And so that's what they do. They go and camp out and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. It says, tarry in the, old, in the King James Version. Tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So Jesus said that, you know. Why? He knows that we're going to need it. We can't do the simple stuff of life without the Holy Spirit. Our feelings get hurt. We start to complain. Our, you know, something happens on the job. A coworker acts like an idiot, and then we want to go tell the other coworkers what an idiot the first coworker is. But the Holy Spirit will give us restraint so that we don't speak badly about other people who are also made in the image of God, and you don't know what people are going through. Be kind. We make up scenarios all the time. You know, somebody would be, be really ridiculously rude or mean. You know, there was a girl in Sam's yesterday, so rude, didn't even speak to me. The whole time, <laughs> she's waiting on me. I'm encountering her, I'm speaking to her, and I'm a Joanna Delight. So I don't understand why she's not speaking to me. But she didn't want to, and she didn't. And I'm, I guess you don't have to. Maybe at Costco, I should try Costco. They're nice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of the workers here said, no, they're not. That's <laughs> so funny. But the whole point is, you know, it's like what we make up a scenario, and I just made up one. Oh, she probably had a bad day. She probably has having her, I don't know, she's probably having this situation or that go on in her life. And I just made up a scenario about her life, and it gave me grace for her. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is creative, and he can turn it so that I began to start to pray for her. God, whatever she's going through, if it was Aunt Flo, I don't know if it was her boyfriend. I don't know if some coworker was rude to her and then she wanted to be rude to me. If she carries the whole weight of, of racial tension on her, I don't know. But I pray freedom over her life in the name of Jesus. See, that's the Holy Spirit stirring it up on the inside so that I don't have to go around. Because I can't let what she did affect me all day. Well, that's a broken down mess. So Jesus says, go wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. He knows you're going to need the Holy Spirit. That's just one example. What are your examples? What do you deal with every day in life that you need to count on the power of the Holy Spirit? See, every Christian has salvation, but every Christian needs power. Without power, it's never going to happen. Without power, you're just going to stay in the same old routine with your fire insurance card so you can go to heaven when you die, but never understand the fullness of what God is trying to get us to do. So the cessation guy, he's saying, you know, that was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down, which is what we're getting ready to, to read, where Jesus told the disciples to wait. And was it a historic day? Yes. Was it an unusual event? Yes. Did they talk in tongues? Yes. There were little fires of tongues that looked like were on them. And people get all tripped up on this stuff and think, oh, that's a fairy tale. That can't even be real. Or they think that was, that was one time event that happened. And, and actually, I mean, I've heard of that happening in other countries where someone would go start speaking in tongues, but they're speaking the dialect of the person that, you know, that they don't know them, but something, and then the other person has a powerful reaction. And I've heard stories like that in my lifetime. I've never witnessed it, but in this, this day of Pentecost, what was happening, they're sitting there waiting, tarrying, weird word, I like it though. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, and, 
And while they're sitting there, the room starts to shake, and, and a, a loud wind comes through again. If you don't like noise, I'm just saying. So he, the Holy Spirit comes in, and it looks like tongues of fire are sitting on the people, and they're speaking in tongues. And then they go outside, which I find remarkable, because what happened in their lives when they're hiding almost, they're like shut in in this secret place, like our leader is dead. And we don't know what's going to happen. Our, de- our leader rose from the, from, the gr- from the grave, but he left us. Now what are we going to do? We're just, we're sitting here. We're sitting here and waiting and waiting. So something happened in that wind and fire and, and this ability to speak in tongues where these people actually look like they are drunk to the people that see them when they go outside. Because before they were locked inside, and now they're outside and people think they're drunk. Okay? Have you ever been around a happy drunk there's nobody nicer than a happy drunk. They'll do anything for you. They'll give you everything they got. They make promises to you that they'd never intend on keeping, but they make their promises because they had a little bit too much bourbon. And I'm not talking about anyone specific. I'm just saying that that's what happens when you get around a happy drunk. And they are affectionate. Coochie, coochie, coo. These people look like that to the onlooker. What is that? And then they start speaking in tongues. We don't know what it sounded like. We weren't there. But what it says is other people in the town were saying they look like they're drunk. And and then there were many people there. It's Passover. There's a lot of different nationalities and dialects, different different languages being spoken in in this vicinity. But they would speak in a foreign tongue to themselves, but the other people would hear them in their perfect native tongue. So it would be as if I came up here and spoke perfect French to you, because you're French and you don't understand Jesus, but I understand Jesus, so I'm going to speak to you in perfect French. But the kicker is I've never studied French, but I have the Holy Spirit in me allowing me to do that. So cessationalists just camp out on, hey, that happened in the day of Pentecost. They were speaking in tongues that people understood. Clear enough. But they negate the whole wow factor that people are speaking in languages they didn't No. And also, they look drunk. So what is that? What happened? So let's read a little bit of it, okay? Would you stand for the reading of the word this morning, please? Let's honor God. He went through a lot of trouble to get this into our hands this morning. I'm just going to start in Acts chapter 1. 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, whom he also represented, whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for truly... John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, like I was saying, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. You can sit down. So then they go to the upper room, and they're waiting. 
and they're waiting and they're waiting, you know? I, I mean, what a powerful thing. When they're up there waiting, a couple things that they did, you know, Judas, the vile betrayer, you know? If you ever want to know what happened to Judas, go ahead and read that whole chapter one in the book of Acts. It's very harsh, you know? I think, it, I can't remember what the name of the field is, but it's, it's graphically horrible because it says that Judas' bowels were poured out onto this land and no one owns it, even still. Nothing grows there for his 30 pieces of silver. So it's like they replaced him, you know? Sometimes it, you, have to, you have to find a, a place, a replacement for someone, someone important, someone valuable. And what they did here, you know, they drew, they drew straws. They trusted the Holy Spirit. They chose two people, and they drew straws, and Matthias was the one that won. Why do I go to all the trouble to tell you that? Because I want you to understand this morning when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and how awesome he is, that the devil... When we talked about him a lot in the last few weeks and, and his wiles and his schemes to destroy and hunt you down and study you and then kill you, all those, all those ideals to help you get your back up and put on your armor of God so that you can defeat him. We've been talking about that for weeks. So the devil knows that you are his replacement, and therefore he hates you. See, because it wasn't enough for him to be the right hand in the apple of God's eye. And because that wasn't enough in his vain, arrogant, prideful way, he left the presence of God. And then you became the apple of God's eye. And then you became his replacement. And then you become the temple in which he lives. Come on. And what did Paul say? You know, stir up the holy gift that's in you the one you got by the laying on of hands, and, and stir that thing up on the inside. I think sometimes we've been baptizing the Holy Spirit so long, and we've tried to walk a line that's so politically correct that we forget how good the Spirit of God actually is. Stir it up on the inside of you, right? And God has given us authority. What, why would Jesus Christ, the Messiah, leave his authority I mean, can you feel the weight of it? The kingdom authority, why would he put that in, in our hands, in our clumsy, sinful, feeble hands? Because we're the apple of his eye. He already came. He already came and saw. He already wants to leave the, the presence and the authority of the Holy Spirit in you and on you so that you can do life well, so that you don't walk around with fatigue and anxiety and misery and jealousy and brokenness. I mean, on and on. He wants you to live a life that's a kingdom life. It's way up here. Not an arrogant life. Not a stuck-up, self-serving self life. A life that is above anything that is below. Anything that tears, anything that would, would come against the knowledge of God, to try to tear down the knowledge of God, we tear it down like a stronghold and remove it from our thinking. Okay? Whew. Jesus' parting words. Why do you get all this power? Why do you get it? to be a witness. We're going to look here in Acts chapter 2. After these guys are sitting there and they're waiting for everything to come to pass, it says that the Holy Spirit came on them with, with power. You know? Power for what? To witness. It tells you the answer. It's not a trick. It's not a trick question. It's not trying to set you up to look for something that isn't there. It's right there. Jesus knows that we're going to need to be a witness. Now, let me talk about what a witness is, and then we'll read a little bit in Acts chapter 2. Are you guys getting anything out of this, man. I'm preaching to myself this morning. I just, I love him so much, and I know that he loves me, and I know that he loves you. 
That's why we come and hang out here together. That's why we talk about these good things. That's why we tune in on any given Sunday or any day of the week. We can catch a podcast that's good for the soul because he loves us and we're longing for a word from him, an encounter with him. What, what is going to cause people to follow God? And I'm telling you what, it's not going to be sitting in church on the corner of Morgan Ford and Germania. It's going to be an encounter with God that probably happened at the foot of your bed or in your living room floor or your car. You ever pulled over just overwhelmed in the presence of God and just sat there and just like, I don't know, I'm a girl, so I cry. You know, I'll just pull over and I'll just have this complete and utter catharsis. And I don't care what it looks like because I'm so in love. I just go ahead and jump on in, come in like a fire and come in like a flood right here on the side of the road, God, whatever it takes. So the power of a witness is an incredible thing. And so when I, when I have moments like that, it's because I went through something with God that I can testify to, that I can be a witness. Now, think about an account. I happen to be a, a fan of like Crime Junkie and different kinds of any kind of podcast that's, uh, that looks at forensics and how did, how did this person do that and what did they do and what was the detective. And I'm really, I'm really into that kind of thought process. That's why I get busy in your lives as much as I possibly can, and you let me. You know, it's kind of awesome. So we can figure out what, what God is trying to do. But in these, in these series and in these Crime Junkie podcasts, there's, if there's a witness, you're toast. If somebody saw you do it, you're done, okay? There's something about an eyewitness to the account. It's not even your word against his word. It's this person saw you do that, and they're telling everything that happened. And you know what? It matches up with everything forensically that happened over here. Yeah, there's always the credibility of the witness. I'm always dumbfounded when somebody in prison is the witness. For, but you know what happened? Somebody went in prison and ran their mouth about what they did so they could be big. And then the, the other prisoner said, man, I bet I could get five out of that. So he takes the truth back, and the truth matched the forensics is what happened. That's the credibility of the witness. So it doesn't, you know, do you get what I'm saying? What is the credibility of our witness? Do we even have one? You know, it's, it's a day where we think people don't want to talk. Like, there's some commercial on TV that it's, it's about insurance, I think. I can't remember. But me and Scott are like, what's wrong with that? Well, every time, because it says things like, you know, if you wrote down directions to get here today, you're in the right seminar. You know, it says stuff like um, nobody, nobody, you know, they're standing in a hardware store and, and they're, they're coaching people who are getting a little bit older on how not to be in public. And so the, the coach is telling the man, who's giving advice to the younger man. He goes, did he ask for your advice? No, then don't give it. You know, it's just like things like that. You're learning how to be politically correct, how not to talk. There's another, another one where there's a kid in a store and his hair is blue and, and the guy wants to say his hair is blue, his hair is blue. And he's like, nope, we all see it. We all see it. Don't look at his hair. And he goes, it's blue. And he just has to say it really quick. And it's teaching us as a culture to not have an opinion, to not interact, do not talk. Do not let your opinion be known. No one cares. The waiter doesn't need to know what your name is. I don't care. If I'm sitting in a waiter, I've got 20 minutes. They might, I mean, my, my niece is a server, and I've talked to her about these things, and she says, I don't remember people's names. But she remembers their faces. And you know what she remembers? Their faces if they tipped well. So tip your servers well. Don't be a cheapo and call yourself a Christian. It's not right. So it's like the whole, the whole thing about it, though. The waiter doesn't care what your name is. Yeah, but Jesus does. And I just happen to be hauling a large amount of the Holy Ghost on the inside. And so when I sit down and I have a connection with someone, I'm not going to pretend like I don't see them. 
I'm not going to act like they're not there, and I'm not going to pretend like I don't see what's going on. Because I'm not blind, and I'm not dumb, and I have been bought with a price, and I do have the Holy Spirit. And I encourage us to do likewise. Because you're not, you're not having the Holy Spirit for nothing. You have a witness on the inside of you now that is witnessing people's lives before you ever got into the room. And God has equipped us. What is my job? Remember? Ephesians 4. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? You guys are. We are. We're the saints. What's your job? Reconciliation. That's right. So it's like if my job is to equip you for the work of ministry, and I never tell you that you're put on the earth to live, to glorify God, to, to live filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can have power. Power for what? To witness. And I never explain to you that the witness is the Holy Spirit on the inside and that everywhere you go you have a witness. Then I would fail. I would be a terrible leader. And then your job is to open your mouth and begin to speak. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's messy. It, even if you mess it up and you have to go back and be sorry, it's okay. Even if you never see the person again and you messed it up, try, try. It's easier to get a car in the right direction that's moving than when it's parked. Okay. Oh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it anyway. Jesus knew that we would need the Holy Spirit. So here... <clears throat> Let me back up really quick and read you this one out of John. Can you put it up there so I can just read it off the screen? In the book of, if it's even there, I think it's over here. John, in the book of John, it talks about how Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. Oh, that's just the, that's the summary of it. He just said there's river, rivers of living water and the Holy Spirit hasn't been on the earth yet. That's okay. It hasn't been released yet on the earth. We don't understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit yet. We haven't encountered it just yet when Jesus was still talking. Jesus hadn't been, you know, he hadn't been, he hadn't gone to heaven yet. He hadn't been glorified yet by the Father. And so I think we get a little bit off that, well, what was the Holy Spirit here when I got saved and I don't have the Holy Spirit now? Just did the Holy Spirit not come to me when I received salvation? Well, of course, the Holy Spirit is with you when you receive salvation. But the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out in this way just yet. When Jesus had been raised from the dead, he was gathered with his disciples and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to breathe on you, although my breath is very fresh this morning. I'm not going to come around and breathe on you this morning. But I will tell you, the Spirit of God can breathe on you right where you're sitting because we don't have to tarry anymore. We don't have to wait anymore because now that Jesus has ascended to the Father, been glorified and come, you know, and he's seated at the right hand of God, all of these things have already transpired. So we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. See, it was transitional. Jesus going to heaven, the Holy Spirit coming down. It took a few days. The Holy Spirit now is the presence of God on the earth today, all around you, all the time. If you would step in, if you would receive it, if you would acknowledge it and ask him for his baptism over your life, it'll come. How do you, how do you say that it, it didn't cease? Because I experienced it. It's the difference of night and day. It's the difference of night and day when you, when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and open your eyes that you might understand what's going on out in the world, everywhere that's, everything that's going on. Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Yes, you can sit this time. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the end of Acts 1, 8. And then in chapter 2, it says this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, 
they were all of one accord in one place. And let me just pause really quick and say, there's something about being in one accord. There's something about unity. And unity is like the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron, even down his robes and everywhere else. Because when you have unity and you get along and you intentionally have unity, what do you have? Anointing. And you have the anointing of God with unity. So they're all in one place. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, there came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterances. If we move down to verse 14, it says, you know, Peter is watching and seeing all this happen. If you remember, Peter is the one that cuts off the soldier's ear and says, no, you're not taking Jesus. Peter would st step in to forbid the entire reason that Jesus came. You know, he, he, would, he would put a stop to it if he could because he was just like radically in love with Jesus. Again, you got to watch The Chosen. It's pretty awesome. So, so here they are, and they're waiting here, and then Peter, you know, they're, they're watching all this, this, the Holy Spirit be poured out, people think they're drunk, they're speaking in tongues that th other people are understanding, and that's a different kind of tongue than what we talk about after this, but on this day, they're speaking in these kinds of tongues, and people think they're drunk, and Peter stands up and gives this amazing sermon, which I am going to highlight for us now, because I can't preach better than Peter, and here's what he said. He walks, remember Peter is afraid we couldn't even find him for three days. He cussed at a little girl. He was so embarrassed for who, for who he was that he was hanging around Jesus. He didn't want to be identified as a Christian. He was in terror. And now he's stepping up in front of everyone in the middle of the, in the, middle of the area where everybody can hear all this chaos. People are appearing drunk. It's a wild situation. And Peter's like, hey, hello, men of Judah. Can I, can I just get a word? And here's what he says. All of you who dwell here in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and listen to my words. These are not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. That's like nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Listen, if you've, if you've been around this stuff a long time and it's feeling like that cliche thing to you, I again ask God to come and raise her off that crust, off the top of your heart. Because when you've waited a long time and you didn't see it come to pass, your heart can get a little crusty and a little hard. And I'm asking God, put in me a, a clean heart and take out this stony one, God. Give me a heart of flesh this morning that I might understand what you're saying. So it'll come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That your sons and daughters will prophesy. You guys, I'm so hungry so hungry for this, that your young men shall see visions, that your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my, man, my maid servants, the men and the women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And they're going to do that by the spirit of the living God. Man, do you want to, what do you want? What do you want? And do you want to be in a room with people that are just like radical in their worship, demonstrative, unashamed in their worship that will take on any demonic influence on your behalf? Do you want people that will lay their hands on sick people and expect them to recover? Do you want people that will bring you the truth of the word of God? Man, because if you do, welcome home. And, and, you know, there's a community in this room that we don't turn our backs on each other when we go through difficult things. And we go through difficult things, you know. But the spirit of God is not too short 
his hand not too heavy, that he can't reach in, that he can't defend, that he can't teach us how to walk in these things. I'm, I'm just going to end with this idea here. <clears throat> Only faith and grace allow us to receive salvation. We're saved. But it's going to take another round of your faith and your expectation to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out today. Would you guys stand up with me? We don't have to tarry anymore. The Holy Spirit has already come. It's not cheap. It's not a joke. It's not light. It's a lot better than any game you could play on your phone. And it's a lot better than almost everything on Netflix. And if, as I said a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last week, if I'm your enemy, I'm going to work as hard as I can to get you to minimize and minimalize the significance of spending time with God and, and pouring over his scripture. And, you know, in the old days, whenever, when we used to go to church and there would be this moment, we would invite people into a back room. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come slip over here in this secret room where no one can see what we're doing and let me pray over you and let me teach you a couple of lines. Maybe I tried to get you to say yabba dabba do or something like that. So, so you get used to saying something or you're not used to saying, well, I don't need a smoke or mirror because I know there's a God who's real. I don't need a light to fool me because I know there's a God who heals. And so what, and I'm not going to, you know, like Scott and I were talking about this. Well, how do we, how do we get that? How do we get that presence of God alive and flowing in our people, in us, in our church? And then what happens here in the day of Pentecost, the way this chapter ends in chapter two, it says people, they're like, what do we do to get saved? If, if we cause Jesus to die on the cross and he, and he is the Messiah and we did all that, what do we do to get saved? You repent, you get baptized and you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, and if you don't think it's a separate event, you'll never buy into that. But if you could go home and maybe just ask him, ask your father, is this baptism of the Holy Spirit legit? Then I want everything you have. I, I know you wouldn't withhold any good thing from me. And I ask you, fill me with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he will. And then sometimes, not every time, but almost every time, you will speak in tongues if you want to. Why would I want to do that? Because there's something about trusting the Spirit of God to groan from the inside of you. Because you've asked him to come and live on the inside. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Let me speak in new tongues. God, there's something about letting him speak through you out of the inner core of yourself. And you speak out a language maybe that you, you don't know. You've never heard. And I mean, I've heard people say, well, I'm just making that up. That's just me. I'm like, well, how many languages have you made up? Zero. You've made up zero languages unless you are a computer genius that you made up something for that. And that doesn't even really talk. Well, maybe. Do you get what I'm saying? Go home. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you. If you want me to pray with you, I'm happy to do that. But you don't need me. I can't save you. I, can't, I, I can listen to you. I can speak. I can preach my heart out. I can tell you the things that I've learned. I can tell you that I pray in the Spirit more than I ever pray anything else. Because sometimes I don't know what to pray, but I trust the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. And so if I start speaking in tongues, and it just might sound like, like it, it might just sound like, and you might not know what you're saying. I could have just spoken perfect Arabic, and I don't even know. 
I, I probably didn't, but I'm just saying, a lot of times, a lot of times that's a heavenly language to go to God's ear from my heart. Devil doesn't understand it, but I can still pray out loud. I can be demonstrative. I can ask God to come in a way that I'm praying a perfect prayer, not a soulish prayer, what I want, but what you want. Let the house might be a house of prayer that my house, this temple right here, might be a temple that prays to God. Are you guys tracking with me? I lose everybody on the tongue talking thing because there's the tongues that happen on the day of Pentecost and then there are all the other tongues that happen as people are baptized in the Holy Spirit subsequently after this time and it's a free flow to glorify God with your voice with your language <sighs> one more thing when this happened to me I got to tell you I, I know I just made you stand up because I don't want you falling asleep you're going to eat in a minute look at your neighbor say it's going to be okay she's almost done She's almost done, yeah. So, so there's, uh, there was a situation where we were in a big church, big church setting, and Scott and I were talking about, well, let's, what is this Holy Spirit? Listen, go study it. Go find how many scriptures you can find on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Find this place where Paul comes on a group of people. They're already believers. They're doing great work. And he says to them, hey, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you know what they said? It's an established situation. You know what they said? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul's like, awesome. This is your lucky day. Receive the Holy Spirit. And it's not like a joke. It's not like something, something ridiculous. It's something profound that happens because then once you can do this thing, you, you have this endowment of his presence, and you look outside, you can see the green grass that you couldn't see before. And you can, is that a bird? My God, there's a bird. All I, all I knew was this is the way I go to school or this is the way I go to work or this is my job and this is my business. But now I can, that is the sky. It's amazing. And you can see the beauty of creation all of a sudden because the Holy Spirit, the one who made the whole thing is now living in you in a profound way. If you've already had this before, but you've grown crusty, and I know this is some of us because I, I know this is what God told me. Tell the story. So what, what we did, Scott and I were talking about these things, studying, looking to God. What do you want to teach us about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of? And there was an invitation similar to this, except it was a slip off to the back room situation. And so we're like, let's just do it. Let's go do it. Let's just, let's give it to God. Let's see. We go to the back room. Now, Scott is what we would call a skeptic. Not now, but then. He was so skeptical. And I'm like, I'm like, I want everything. I'm, I'm ravenous. Come on, let's go. Let's get this. Oh, man, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to change our lives. We're going we're gonna to up our level. Now Jesus is my Savior. God is my Father. He is my Lord. And now the Holy Spirit is going to come and live on the inside. So we get in this back room, and they're coaching us how to get through it. And in about 10 seconds, Scott is over there praying in tongues. And I mean, when that happened, I was like, well, that is stupid. You know, how does he, what, what, you know, really God? And by now I'm offended. There's no way I'm going to talk in tongues today or in a while because I'm offended. So I'm leaving and I'm offended at God. I'm offended at this lady who's trying to tell me to, you know, to say stuff. And so God doesn't need a smoke and mirror. He doesn't need that. He doesn't need anyone to proclaim, thus says the Lord. He just needs you to follow what he's giving. He wants you to receive his gifts and so for me, a couple days later, I think it was two days later, but, but for those two days, I was in agony, agony looking. I had like a lump in my throat, like for two days, you know, which I equate to the scripture that says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water if you just step into the spiritual things and let it come up and out. But I got it like stuck like, like right there because of bitterness and, you know, resentment in a big dose. 
And my husband's walking around. Praise God. You're a good Lord. And he changed, too. He stopped smoking. He stopped. I mean, this was a long time ago. He stopped drinking. He stopped getting high. He just stopped all of those things. And I'm like, what on earth has become of you? And he's like, don't need it. Something happened. I'm different, you know. So I'm laying on the floor crying to God about how horrible that was that he got that and I didn't. And I was asking God to come. And I had like one little kind of a couple syllables come to my mind. And I'm like, I can't say it because I'm the type of person I would rather be set on fire and die that way than fake something. So I, I was like, God, you know me. I'm never going to be able to fake it. Speak to my heart and speak to my life. And you know, why am I telling you all this? Because you are getting ready to go through it. You're going to go home. You're going to get on your knees. You're going to lay in your bed, and these things are going to resound in your head. God, is that real? Is this real, what we're talking about? A whole realm of supernatural that lives on the other side that I can't see, but it affects my life every day? Is that legitimately real? Did the Holy Spirit really want to come live on the inside? Can I really speak in tongues? Am I really, am I really to walk in power to be your witness? Are those things real? Man, Jesus didn't ask. He commanded those things. Receive the Holy Spirit. I'm your Huckleberry. Call me if you need me this week. I love you. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with the Loft, you can give on Givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.